Hi, everyone. My name is Trika Wheeler, and I want to welcome you to the Professional DNA Podcast. I am here as your career mindset strategist and the founder and CEO of T. Wheeler Strategic Solutions, a professional development and consulting company. I am so passionate about leveraging strategy to advance in anything you do in life. It's my passion and my mission to help you strategically navigate your professional journey and help you to discover your professional DNA, your defined natural ability to succeed. I am here to help you discover your unique value and to shift those mindsets and design a strategy to help you advance in your career, make more money, and do so all while achieving work-life harmony. That's right, your career, your professional life, and your personal life coexisting and working harmoniously together. It's time for you to win, and I'm here to help you cross the finish line. Grab that notebook, grab that pen, and let's jump in. This episode of the Professional DNA Podcast is brought to you by the Professional DNA Career Center. It's time to get strategic about what's next for your professional journey and to leverage your professional DNA, your defined natural ability to succeed. Visit the Career Center and learn more about the Professional DNA Career VIP Day or learn how you can do just a one-time consultation to get some clarity about the next steps in your career. For more information about the Professional DNA Career Center, visit TWStrategicSolutions.com. That's TWStrategicSolutions.com. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining another episode of the Professional DNA Podcast. Today, we have such a special treat. As we are closing out Women's History Month, I am extremely excited to have had the opportunity to sit down with Miss Minda Hartz. Minda Hartz is a workplace and equity consultant. She is also the best-selling and award-winning author of The Memo and The Right Within, her third book, You Are More Than Magic for Young Adults, will actually be released this spring. Minda is a professor at NYU Wagner. She is a frequent guest of MSNBC and featured on ABC News, Forbes, Fast Company, and Time Magazine. Minda is highly sought after for companies such as Liberty Mutual, American Family Insurance, Nike, Google, Salesforce, the list goes on and on and on. In 2020, she was named the top Voice for Equity in Workplace by LinkedIn. Minda actually hosts a live weekly podcast called Secure the Seat um, on LinkedIn, and I absolutely love it. Guys, we are in for a treat because we're talking about allyship, how to find allyship in the workplace. And this can be a challenge for, I would say, women and especially women of color. And what better person to join us for this conversation other than Miss Minda Hartz? grab your notebook. This is going to be amazing. I want you to listen into the conversation I have with Minda. You guys ready? Let's go. All right, guys. So welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am super excited. As you can see, we are with the Minda Hearts, and I'm so, so, so happy that you are joining us today to talk about how to find 
allyship in the workplace. And I know that this is an area, a topic that is especially challenging for women, women of color in particularly, and finding allyship in the workplace. So before we jump in, I would love for you to just formally introduce yourself, give my audience a little bit about who you are and the amazing things that you're doing. And then I ask all of my guests the question, what is your professional DNA? What's one thing, one attribute that just makes you amazing and dope the way you show up? What is one thing in your professional DNA? So Minda, tell us all about you for my audience who I don't know how might not know um, who you are and the things that you do. Well, first of all, Tarika, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. And my name is Minda Hart, and I am an author and workplace consultant. I've had the pleasure of um, authoring two books, Right Within and The Memo. And then my third book is coming out in a couple months called You Are More Than Magic, which is my first young adult book. But I, I really am here to catalyze equity for women of color in the workplace. I'm also a professor at NYU Wagner. And um, I love grits and rap lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I have to ask the question. Sugar or salt and pepper in your grits? What's, what, what team are you on? I'm, I'm team salt all day. I, yes. I don't even know what it's like to have sugar in your grits. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, we're on the same team. My youngest son, he puts sugar in his grits. And always, I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's okay. We're on the same team. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you said you love rap lyrics. And I've heard you, you know, quote several before. Do you have a favorite right now? Like, is there something that's like really kind of vibing with you and kind of drives you right now? What's what's your favorite? Uh, you know, um, I think it's maybe uh, Nicki Minaj see, seeing green. I, I'm seeing green right now because <laughs> I'm trying to um, save up to buy my first uh, house this later this year. So it's all about yes. um, making sure I'm asking for more and, and knowing my worth right about now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I love it. We manifest all those things and cannot wait until closing day. That's amazing. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, tell me what's something that you feel is a part of your professional DNA. I talk about that as being your defined natural ability to succeed like what is making you stand out that you know you can uniquely leverage you know as an author as a professor as a black woman who is just showing up and creating such an amazing space what, what do you feel like is in your professional dna i really love this question a lot but i think for me it's been vulnerability because i think as black women we've been kind of conditioned to be strong at every turn and through my books i've been very vulnerable about what it's like to be the only in the workplace. And so I think that because I've allowed myself to be vulnerable in ways I hadn't in my past, it's allowed uh -huh. for others to do it as well. I love that, Minda. I love that. Vulnerability is so key. And, you know, a lot of times we hear that word and people like shy away from it. it it's scary um, to think about being vulnerable, but I think vulnerability is um, incredibly important and something that we have to do more of. Um, something that we have to learn how to um, show up and be, you know, in the workplace, at home, in life, but have that sense of vulnerability. I love that. Love that. So you talked about, you know, your books, like how you've even approached those. Tell me what led you to write the memo? Like we're going to get to write within because um, I've got a, a section of that that I just absolutely love that I want to talk about. But what even led you to write the first book, um, the memo? 
Yeah, the, the memo is my first child. So, you know, I, I definitely love to talk, <laughs> talk about that. Uh, but really what led me to write the memo was the fact that there weren't any career books that talked about the experiences of, mm-hmm. you know, women of color in the workplace. So they talk about broad strokes, women, but I knew that they weren't talking about me. I know they weren't talking about us. We were like an after thought. Yeah. And so I wanted us to be part of the career narrative and what would it look like if we thrived in the workplace and not just survived. And so it was really important for me to write that book because um, it's hard to lean in when you're not in the room. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's hard to lean in when you're not in the room and it's hard to lean in even when you get a peek into the room, but you're at the back of the room, right? And there's, you can't sit at the table, you can't even look at the chair and you just see everything happening around you. And that is incredibly frustrating and um, sometimes even just you get that defeatist attitude because you feel like no one understands you no one looks like you especially as we you know as black women climb this you know quote-unquote corporate ladder and get to certain heights within our career it just gets incredibly challenging for what we see what we see from people who don't look like us right and the challenges that we that we that we um a lot of times are Uh, have to deal with. So uh, I love that. I love that you call it your first baby. Talk to me about baby number two. Talk to me about baby number two and right within kind of where did that go? And as that was kind of the transition into your new, your, your new body of art, you know, know, the next, the next phase, talk to me about that and kind of what led you to go with the right within. Yeah. My middle child. Um, (laughs) I appreciate you asking that, you, you know, to be honest, Tarika, I had no plans on writing after the memo. I thought, well, you know, it became a bestseller book. It exceeded my expectations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, You're like, I'm, done. done. I, I, I'm, it's helping people. That's what I wanted, the impact. So I thought that, and I'm a very much an introvert. So people who know me in like my real mm-hmm. life, they know that. And so for me to mm-hmm. be out there so forward, it, it was, yeah. it's a journey for me. And um, I just felt like that was it. And then I realized that just because we experience that isolation in the workplace, that feeling, mm-hmm. that trauma doesn't just go away. It sometimes yeah. goes with us from place to place. And it also, mm-hmm. if you've been in it long enough, any type of traumatic experience in the workplace, um, it starts to distort how you show up at home, yeah. in life, et cetera. And you're constantly questioning yourself and pretty much paranoid in the workplace. And I thought about Lauren Hill's song, How You Gonna Win If You Ain't Right Within. And I thought, yeah. you know what? this this healing piece, that's for us, right? Um, that's for us. And we get to heal if we choose. And we get to um, be the most healthiest version of ourselves in the workplace, which I think is something that's more important than authenticity. Because if we're healthy, then uh-huh. we're authentic. Absolutely. I love that. I, I don't think I've heard someone refer to it that way, like being your healthiest self, right? So I, I talk a lot about being like your best and unique self, but being your healthiest self in the workplace is key because we look at like all the things that are happening right now. Um, in particular, if you look at it in like the black culture in the African-American culture where mental health is just a spotlight. And I, when you talk about kind of these traumatic experiences, there are so many traumatic experiences that are happening just in that day-to-day mom, wife, you know, high achieving driven professional that is just screaming inside because of all of these traumatic experiences and they're not right within, right? And we just kind of, we like faking the funk, right? We're just make, yeah. making it how we can make it. You know what they say? Like fake it till you make it like really right. and, and being in that place to where it's it just gets so heavy and so daunting. And I'm a firm believer that 
where we are in like whatever environment that we're in and that we're consuming every single day is going to impact who we are and how we live every single day. So if I am in a traumatic or, you know, oppressive or toxic environment or one where I'm experiencing, you know, all these types of microaggressions, it's going to impact how I do everything. It's going to impact how I show up at home, how I show up with my children, how I show up with my spouse. Like it's going to impact everything. And it's one of the reasons why I like the book. And let me show you guys, if you don't have it, you need to get it. You're about to be behind because Linda just already told us child number three is coming. So I need you to, get, need you to have the middle child, but um, it's so important that we are right within. And as we're talking about allyship today, I truly believe that there's things that can help us right? Get there, that we don't have to be alone. Even though it might feel like we are, we don't have to be alone. And I believe that allyship, mentorship and sponsorship as well, but allyship, which I believe is different, um, is, is attainable and it's something that we can achieve. And that's where I want to dig into you with you today, because I think it's, honestly, I talked to some women about it and they're like, wait, what, what's that? I, I get mentorship, I get sponsorship, but what is allyship? So can you, let's kind of jump into that. Can you shed some light for um, everybody who's viewing today about allyship? What is it? What is it? And why is it important in the workplace? Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this because allyship is important. It's part of all the ships that help move us forward. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I think in particular, typically what mentorship or I'm sorry, allyship is, is someone who's showing up for you, someone who's covering you, someone who's standing Mm -hmm. in the gap with you when certain things happen, people who are speaking your name in the rooms that you're not in. So allyship is not a one size fits all. And it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. Like we each Mm -hmm. get to be an ally for somebody else. We each Mm -hmm. get to show up when somebody is being oppressed and be that that barrier, right? The Mm -hmm. thing that we should be doing every day in the workplace is removing barriers for people. And that, in my opinion, is what allyship is meant to do. And somebody should be a beneficiary of your allyship. Nobody benefits from passive allies, right? But they benefit from active allies. Yeah, I'm going to read. Um, I I love that because you, you have to, there has to be a beneficiary, right? Like we can't selfishly be in positions and not see opportunity to support and or bring along others, right? And I think, yeah. you know, I, I see it so much, not even, I definitely see it with those who don't look like me when, it, you know, just looking in the boardroom, in the corporate, in just kind of the corporate setting. And, you know, my white counterparts are not always looking to pull those who look like me along. But also say sometimes, Minda, is those who look like me are also not in the position where, well, they're in the position, but they are also not positioning themselves to serve as an ally to pull, you know, their their fellow colleagues, you know, along. And so I am glad we're talking about this because I, I think it's something that we have to understand that is critical, especially when people are trying to advance and like level up in their career there could be blocks and barriers that if you are in that position of allyship, you can help remove, you can help pave the way. And um, that's so critical to be able to happen. I'm going to read something that you, um, you actually tweeted once and you said, folks want allyship to be this pretty thing wrapped in a bow. It will require something of you. What does allyship require? What do you feel like that is the requirement? I love when you tweeted that because we always want something to be cute and pretty, right? Like, <laughs> but it just wraps, we always want to wrap up like a little bow. But 
it's not, it's not always pretty. It's not always clean cut. So what is that? What are those requirements? What does allyship actually require? In my opinion, it requires courage, right? One definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. If we all were courageous enough, we'd all be allies and it would be that pretty bow, right? Nobody would feel, but the reason why people don't activate is because they're operating from a place of fear. I often hear allies say, well, I don't want to start any trouble. And I always say the trouble has already began. No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> been <here. laughs> it's been here. Okay. Years of trouble, years of trouble. <laughs> now you decide what you want to do to eliminate that. But for me, don't call yourself that. Like, I don't want you to call yourself that. Don't say it mm-hmm. to appease me. Like, I want to mm-hmm. be a beneficiary of it. I want someone to be of me, right? I want to right. remove a barrier for somebody because I leveraged my voice or because I said the mm-hmm. thing that nobody else was courageous enough to do. So I do believe that allyship requires courage because if we were all brave, then we'd all be allies, right? And not everybody's willing to be that. And so I, I really think people have to ask themselves, who's benefiting from my allyship if nobody's Uh benefiting from it then can we truly call ourselves that right and what do you think people are so scared of you know what what what's the fear what are people so worried about in helping and supporting others you know once they get to a position where they can literally use that capital right they're like professional capital if you will what do you think the fear is what are people so scared of you know Audrey Lord said it best. We've been conditioned to value fear over ourselves. And so mm. many of us, all of us have been working in toxic environments to some degree. And so we've normalized the behaviors that have taken place. We've normalized yeah. the policies and procedures. So we don't, so anything outside of status quo is rocking the boat, right? But if uh-huh. we normalize uh-huh. a uh-huh. culture of allyship and showing up for yeah. people, then we flip the toxicity on its head, right? right? But because many of us don't know what good looks like, we are fearful of it, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's so true. I feel like somewhere, like we lost the definition. I, I was just, um, I was teaching a masterclass and I was talking about like, you define success for yourself. That, you know, the way I define success is different from the way you define success. You know, Minda's success is different from Tarika's success. Like we all define it differently. And I just, I believe that we get in this position to where we forget to define like what good is, like, how should I feel? How do I want to feel? What are the desires that I have for my life, for my career, for my family? Like we just, somewhere we just lost and we just go with this normalcy of mess, the normalcy of chaotic, the normalcy of toxic. And that becomes this new norm instead of like taking ourselves back and redefining, no, like I want to feel good. I want to feel fulfilled and valued in the workplace, valued just in life in general. I don't care if you're in the office or not, but just in life in general, you want to feel valued. And I think that definition just goes away. And you're so right that it's that fear. Is that fear that like creeps in and, and the opposite of that is courage. And we have to be, whether you are looking for allyship, which we're going to talk about a little bit, or if you're in a position to where you can provide it, set fear aside, you know, set fear aside and let's be courageous and let's be brave so that, you know, we can grow and advance, you know, as a, as a society, like let's kind of get out of this rut and this new norm that we're in and elevate each other and be okay with that, be okay with what that looks like. So I love that. I love, 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 love that. So why I want to, before we take like a quick little, a quick little pause, I, I want to talk about this through the lens of women of color. 
because I think there's a challenge and a struggle to even seek allyship. There's a, a challenge and even a pause, talk about fear, this, this overwhelming fear of not even going to seek it because where I might find it is uncomfortable. Um, it's from those who don't look like me. It's from those who typically might not support me. And how do I even go about it? So why, why do you think, why, is, why do you believe allyship is so challenging and difficult for women of color to seek in the workplace? Like what are these barriers that are really preventing us from pursuing allyship? You know, I, I think, Sarika, the main thing is the lack of trust, right? We work with so many different people and everybody claims to be an ally, but we never see it when we need it, right? Very yeah. rarely, right? <laughs> right, so, right? So the trust is a little eroded, like we don't believe it because we don't see it taking place. Uh -huh. And I think because we haven't experienced what good looks like in most cases, um, yeah. we don't expect the allyship. We're just used to kind of suffering in silence. We're used to being on the island alone. And I think that mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity for our allies to bridge the gap with us because we do yeah. need to, sh we, need, we want that support, right? I often say that success is not a solo sport, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't yeah. always ally for ourselves. It may be somebody else who's better suited to have the conversation from the last meeting that aggressed me, right? I need someone mm -hmm. else to show up in that way because if I say it, I'm angry, right? But if John says it, uh -huh. it's just John being John, right? You know, so right. I think right. <laughs> I think that um, we definitely need to remove that fear and maybe uh -huh. allow ourselves to rebuild some trust with some folks because I think there are some allies who want to show up for us, but yeah. because maybe we have been burned in the past, we haven't allowed that relationship to to mature, and so I do think that it's gonna be definitely difficult for us to climb up the ladder, as you said, without allies. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think, you know, you, you hinted on this, like there's this thought of like, I can't be assertive. You know, if I'm, if I'm assertive in the room, you know, I show up and now I'm the, you know, the bitter, angry black woman that, you know, has an attitude versus, you know, someone completely different. What, what was, who's our character today? John, John, John shows John. up. <laughs> <laughs> and John is super assertive and, you know, even, you know, demanding, if you will, of, of where things, and it's, it's accepted. And I think it, it causes many women, especially women of color to just kind of seat back in the seats and say, you know what? Okay, fine. I, you know, instead of someone who's sitting there in the room to say, well, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I think, you know, let's, wait, let's who do we want to give? Let's give a Monica. I think Monica has a good point. Right. I think, or, you know, I think I, I want to, I want Monica to expand on that a little bit more. And right then, just because you haven't even said anything of real substance, except acknowledge that, that the way that you showed up in that meeting was okay. And now you have this ally who was kind of not necessarily validated, but given like the thumbs up to those in the room to serve as like your support and say, no, what she's saying is okay. What she's saying is right. And the tone in which she said it was appropriate. And I think we need to see more of that. We need to see more of that in meetings. We need to see more of that in, honestly, you know, I've even seen like allyship show up in something like an interview. You know, we need to see more of being willing to support. And like you said, speak on behalf of and really be able to show that allyship. And then I think as women of color, we have to um, 
and, and you talk about this in a part of um, right within. And so I, I, I want to go there, but you, you talk about this, like change your mind, this place of like changing your mind. And um, you actually talked about, um, yeah, I want to make sure I got that right. Yeah. Change your mind. And it was in, yeah. the, in the reference to um, one of your favorite sermons of one of like the just bosses in ministry right now, Miss Sarah Jakes. And I just, Sarah, Sarah Jakes Roberts. And um, <laughs> I love that you talked about that because sometimes this, we sit in this place so long, Minda, and we experience things in the workplace so long that we just say, you know what, everywhere I go is going to be this way. And, and this is just how it is. And we start to accept it as our norm. We start to accept it as what's to be expected. Can you just talk a little bit about that piece of um, your book and, and how, you know, every place is not the same. And we, we do have to work on changing our minds so we can be open to allyship. You know, sometimes I think we shut the door on allyship because we think everybody's always going to be the same. Can you talk a little bit about right. that? Yeah, you know, it, it goes back to the, the healing dynamics right because when we've been harmed in environments what we tend to do is take that hurt and we take it to the next job we take it to the next place right and mm -hmm. erica badu said one day all those bags going to get in your way so pack light right <laughs> so don't take the bags with you give yourself yes. an opportunity as you said earlier to redefine success to give mm -hmm. yourself space to be able to experience and build yes. trust with new colleagues right because if mm -hmm. we go into mm -hmm. our new workplaces thinking that Oh, I, I know what John was about. So there's there's Johnny at this place. So he must be the same. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. let's give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. We're starting fresh. Let's start fresh with people. Let's let's change our mind about the experiences we've had and give mm -hmm. it a, a fresh start. And I think that's for us, right? Because that hurt, we're just gonna double down on our inner toxicity if we don't allow ourselves to be free from the past. And I think we have to allow ourselves to change our mind. I talk about it in the memo, uh, empire state of mind versus an enemy state of mind, right? Yeah. How do I shift the dynamics of what I've been exposed to so that it doesn't have to be my story going forward? So we yeah. can change our mind. Yeah, we can. And, and I think like we forget, you hear people say this all the time and I, I don't believe it's cliche. I think it's absolutely real. It's like you are writing your own story. And when you go to a new chapter, it's a new chapter. And you start with being optimistic enough and give people the opportunity to prove you wrong, right? Prove your past experiences wrong. And let's write that story. And guess what? Every story has a peak. Every story has a, you know, an antagonist. Like, you, you know, things are going to happen. Now, it's not going to be perfect, but give people the opportunity to show up for you. Give, and, and I think that's even a part of us showing up for ourselves. Sometimes we discount ourselves from opportunities because we're already thinking negatively, right? Our mindset is already, it's just in this negative place. And we're not willing to even put ourselves in positions to grow and put ourselves, put ourselves in positions to advance because we're worried about the last place we were instead of saying no. I'm going to, I'm going to write this thing a little different. I'm going to give, I'm going to give a chance and give an opportunity. Now, if you prove me wrong, that great. And if you don't, okay, <laughs> let's deal with yeah. that. Let, you know, let's deal with that. Yeah. So I want to take a really, really quick, um, quick pause. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what are some strategies that women can use? What are some things that they can actually use when they are seeking allyship? And, and then also just thinking about, you know, my audience is, is really crazy diverse, helping people show up as allies as well. So, you know, what can we do our, as, as, as Black women, as women of color to actually seek allyship? 
but also for, for anyone that's listening that is in a position to serve as an ally. What does that look like? And what are some strategies you can give for them? So guys, we are with the Minda Hearts. This has been an exciting conversation already. I can't wait for us to come back. We're going to take a quick pause. All right, guys, we are back with Miss Minda Hearts. And um, we're talking a little bit about allyship. We've talked about um, her book, The Right Within. If you don't have it, I need you to get it. And we talked about the first child too. We talked about, um, <laughs> we talked about <laughs> the memo. And, um, and then Minda has a third book that's coming out, which we'll talk about here in a little bit and super excited about that as well. But we've been digging into this topic of allyship. And I wanna be sure that no matter what side you're on, whether you're in a position to where you yourself can be an ally or you are in a position where you know that you need to seek allyship. You know it's something that's needed, but perhaps you've been fearful, you've been concerned, you've been worried, uh, you've, you've tried it before, it didn't work out in your best interest. I want to tackle some of that um, with our conversation with Minda. So Minda, let's start with those who are looking for allyship. What are some strategies that you can give for those who are actually looking for allyship in the workplace? <clears throat> That's a great question. I, I think that part partially we, again, it goes back to what does good look like to us, right? And some of those people that you might be wondering, are they an ally? Are they not? People who acknowledge maybe that something toxic has happened, right? For example, if you've been in a meeting and somebody said something that they definitely shouldn't have, and then you have people who come to you after the fact and say, wow, I can't believe so-and-so uh -huh. said that or did that. Those, they might not have shown up the way you needed them to in that moment, but they are, they could potentially be an ally, right? And I mm -hmm. think that we have to maximize because they've seen the inequality taking place, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we just need someone to validate that that experience was what we experienced. And it really so, happened, right? Right, it really happened. So what I would say is leverage those opportunities when those people approach you in those moments, say, you know, you and you acknowledge that, right? this is what would be helpful the next time we're in the meeting because we always have this type of situation occur with Jane, right? You know, so I, I think that telling people what good looks like for you is important, right? We can't assume that they know how to show up for us, right? Yeah. And so I, I realize that we can release our voice in the way and let people know, this is what I need from you when this happens again, right? Mm -hmm. Or we've been in the last meeting and every time I try to come off mute, I never get a word in. Can you say something like, I see that Minda has been trying to come off mute for the last 15 minutes. Minda, did you have something you wanted to add? That would really be helpful, John. That's how I need you to show up for me. And I think giving ourselves permission to let people know what we need, right? And I think we don't have to suffer in silence any longer. I, Minda, that right there, and I'm just thinking about times where I was looking for some, you know, you say you ask, you have not because you ask not. And I'm sitting here like, well, you see what's happening in the room. <laughs> don't think like don't just come to me afterwards and have a, a side conversation which is a lot of time what, what has happened and I've been in that experience it's like oh my gosh I can't believe she said that to you or I, I can't believe that you know he didn't allow you to say anything and I'm just like in my brain like okay well why didn't you say anything but I you're so right it's we'll use that leverage that opportunity since clearly there's some awareness to say you know what Thank you. Thank you for, I, I'm not crazy. I, I want to make sure I'm not the only person who saw that, you know, thank you. And here's what would be helpful. Like next time, you know, next week's meeting, 
it would be great if you could do that. So I, I love that. And I wish, um, I wish I would have had that strategy and just like previous work experiences to where there's probably times where allyship was right there in front of me. Right. And it's just like taking a step forward and grabbing onto it. Right. And, and helping, helping someone actually be an ally, like taking their allyship one more step. They think that they're being an ally because they're now having a conversation and acknowledging, but then helping them take it a step further. What about on the other side? So those who are in a position to be an ally, what's a strategy that you have for them of how they can better show up for those that are in the workplace with them? Yeah, I think there's so many people who are like, I want to be an ally, but I don't know what to do, right? And I often say that you don't have to save the day, but you got to do something, right? What mm -hmm. is that something going to be? And mm -hmm. again, sometimes as allies, we think we have to climb on top of Mount Everest and do the grand act, but it's actually <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> it could be the grand act, but it, but what we really need is for you to do the small acts every day, right? right? So <laughs> right. <laughs> little things, the little, the little things, you know, for example, if I'm a manager, right, and I notice that one of my team members, and say, Tarika, you're on my team, and I notice that Jane is always emailing you and CCing me, this is an opportunity for me be, to be an ally for you. I can say to uh, Jane, Jane, have you had a conversation with Tarika? Why are you involving me in this? And you haven't actually had a conversation with her. Uh, if uh -huh. you haven't done that first, then you don't need to involve me, right? I'm cutting off the toxicity right here, right now, and I'm setting an example. And I think, again, we can do those sorts of things for people. Um, if you're in a meeting and somebody says something, maybe it's not appropriate for you to holler out and be like, don't ever say that to Tarika again, right? I know that takes a lot of courage, but <laughs> what, could it, what could it look like after you go to that person and say, hey, James, I know you might not have intended harm when you said X, Y, and Z, but think about how that landed on our colleague, Tarika. I wanted to make you aware of that. So the next time we're in the meeting, you don't use that type of language, right? Yeah. This is an opportunity for you to activate. Maybe it's not in the moment, but I think of it from three steps. Uh -huh. Are we going to do it now? Or are we going to do it later? Or yeah. are we going to do it never? And if it's never, then just sit your allyship card down to the side and we'll <laughs> find some other <laughs> But we need to do, we need to do something. We have to create a culture because if we normalize showing up for people, it becomes the norm. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like, we've normalized so many things, right? Like there are so many things in the workplace that have shifted and we can normalize allyship. It can be normalized and it can be normalized to me in a diverse way that it's not just, you know, the black community showing up for the black community in the workplace. And it's not just the Asian community or the white community or the Hispanic Latino community showing up for each other in the workplace. Like that, we have to cut across that and say, look at the position in which you're in. And if you are in a position to serve as an ally and you believe that that person, you know, that colleague, that peer has the opportunity to speak, use their voice. They're, they're super talented, but perhaps their ideas and innovation is being smothered because they're not being, being given an opportunity that you can pull out that card, right? And use it. You can use it. And then yes, like you said, and if you can't, we gonna go ahead and take that card away. Stop calling yourself an ally. We're gonna set it to the side. We're gonna find somebody else, right? But I, I do think that it's um, it's something that we just have to normalize. You know, in this day and age, you hear people talk about like networking and how even as people are getting new jobs, that more than like between eighty and eighty-five percent of those jobs are not coming from like the direct posting. They're coming from within, right? Networking. How many opportunities do people have 
where they could have served as an ally for someone that's in a position right now that you know should be the next director, you know should be considered for the next VP role. You absolutely know. And yet, because we're quiet and we don't use our voice as an ally, or because we, and, and I, I love that you put this back to you know us as the individual who's seeking allyship, when someone throws out a little bit, let's leverage that. Leverage that and say, you know what? I actually, I do have an idea. And I've been trying to get it out for the last three meetings and no one wants to hear it. Can I share it with you? And then you share it with them. They'd be like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Where has this been? It's been right here. I, is, there, is there a way that we can possibly enter this into the next meeting? Um, I'd love if you could maybe introduce that, you know, we've had a conversation and you really like what I had to share and you'd love to have, you know, me share it with the rest of the team. Something like that, that seems so simple, Minda, I feel like it's just not happening in the day-to-day. And it's, yeah. stunting, it's stunting growth, it's hindering advancement, and it's causing women to just shriek back and say, okay, you know, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think too, the other thing about allyship is our intent versus impact. You know, your mm-hmm. good intentions might ha- have been one thing, but how is it impacting somebody else? And I think too, again, normalization of, the courage, right? Because if we're all being courageous, then we're shaping, we're reshifting the dynamics of organizational culture. If we say that equity is important, then everybody should have access to allyship. Mm, Very, very true. You know, I, in my, um, my kind of day-to-day nine to five, I work in, in project management and work on a contract that focuses on minority health and health equity. And we talk so much about equity for all. And I'm just like, yeah, that would be great if we could actually get there and we're not just applying it in this space of public health, but we're also looking at that in the workplace, that there has got to be equity for all and in, in meaning that we all have equitable access to grow. We all have equitable access to, to thrive in the workplace. And there are not these barriers put up for us, depending on you know, who we are and what we look like, that Absolutely. everybody has the opportunity to grow and advance and everyone has the opportunity for allyship, right? To have and build those relationships and have people speak up on their behalf when they see that mm, someone is potentially being just kind of pushed to the side or they're not being acknowledged over and over and over again. And perhaps it's just because, you know, they have not been able to raise their voice. They've not, maybe they can't self-advocate. Maybe they're in an environment that is not supportive of that. Um, And you being able to do so as an ally, I think is just a powerful thing. Can you share with us, Minda, like any experiences that you've had where, someone has, you know, been an ally to you and you've been able to, you know, really be able to advance and push forward because actually someone showed up. What does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, uh, I think the, the biggest, um, allyship moment that I can recall is, uh, us, he was a sponsor and an ally, but he spoke my name in a room that I wasn't in. Uh, they were thinking about people for an, Uh, for an opportunity and he put my name out there. Um, I just needed access to an opportunity, right? And everyone in the room was like, we don't know her. She's too junior, all the things. (laughs) And and he said, you know, I actually believe she just needs the opportunity, but she can do this job. And so he -hmm. put himself out on the line for me. I had the opportunity, I nailed it. And a few months later, I had a seat in the same room he was in, but it was because he leveraged his privilege for Uh good, even when people didn't 
know me or whatever the case. And I think we all have the ability to do that for somebody else. Yes, 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 yes. Just imagine if that was like what goes, what do people say, like go viral? Just imagine <laughs> if allyship went viral, right? The, the amount of individuals that would just rise and thrive because someone took their opportunity. What do you say? Like leverage their privilege, right? Leverage their position to really elevate someone. And, 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 and again, now, once you get elevated, you got to take care of the spot, right? Like once you get the opportunity to, um, you know, move forward in a space, you got to conquer and like execute that thing. Once someone is willing to like speak on your behalf, put your name in rooms that you haven't been in. So I I'm a hundred percent about that. We do have to be ready to perform and be on point, but imagine if it, that allyship just went viral. It, I, it would just be amazing. Absolutely amazing. So Okay, well, let's talk. Uh, I want to wound this time down. Th again, thank you so much for even being willing to spend some time with us today um, on the Refreshable Day Day podcast. I'd love to know what's next. What is next for Minda Hart? I know you've got child number, child number three, child number three. Um, <laughs> tell us about that. But what else is going on? What's next with you, Minda? Yeah, child number three is uh, April 5th. You are more than magic, black and brown girls claiming their voice. And mm -hmm. I realized that when I think about all the, th the two books that I had, I thought about the younger version of myself. What did I need to hear before I got to the workplace? And so mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of finish out my three children <laughs> trilogy <laughs> and, and make sure that uh, women of color at all ages have the resources they need, but ultimately yeah. our allies understand what, they, what we might need from them by reading about our experiences. So Love it. Uh, that is my last book for a little while. And then I'm going to start working on some um, documentaries and films about women of color in the workplace. And so that is, that's on the, the agenda for, for me going forward. That's awesome. I love, love, love the focus on young adults and just thinking about, you know, when I was in my, in, when I was in college, I just, you weren't even thinking about some of the things, like some of the things I've experienced in the workplace, you just like, I tell people all the time, you can't make this stuff up. Like, I don't know where, <laughs> where some of these experiences come from, but how amazing that you're going to, you know, have a book that young, young adults can actually are going to be able to relate to, because I already know they're going to be able to relate to it and connect with it to help them before they even enter into the workspace. Like, what are the things to prepare for that you are not going to learn at your institution? Right. You know, these are lots of the things that we experience in real time and in the workplace that just aren't taught. At, and that's OK. That's OK. But that's that's why book number three is coming out, because we're going yes. to help <laughs> you uh, really get to the next really make it through and navigate in that next level as we're coming into the workplace. And then documentaries. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I love, 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 love our history. And I think a lot of times, and I've seen it this year in particularly um, during, uh, for February during Black History Month, that yes, we are absolutely, you know, paying attention and paying and honoring and paying homage to, you know, all of the amazing scholars and professionals and scientists and doctors and lawyers, et cetera, who have just impacted the, the Black culture and just impacted, you know, African-American history as a whole. But what I also love that I'm seeing a lot of right now, Minda, is talking about who are like the walking icons and like those who are leaving a legacy right now. 
like in our present time that you literally can look over to, you know, X company or X organization. I saw a post the other day that showed all of the black women in the white house. And I was just like, yo, that's amazing. Like that's a totally different um, experience. I feel like as we are talking about black history. And so I think documentaries are amazing because they document moments in time and allow you to like laser focus, like microscope go in. So I cannot wait until one of those projects drops because I'm sure it is going to be be and exceed all expectations. Um, and we'll probably, like you said, you were only planning to do one book. I'm sure <laughs> that there's going to be follow with documentaries. Great. Okay. How can we stay connected with you? How can we learn about um, in a book drop? You said like April 5th. Is that right? April yes. 5th. Mm-hmm. So how can we stay connected with you? Social media, website. What's the best way to um, really be able to just uh, stay with Minda? What's going on? Yeah. Well, go to mindahearts.com and you can connect with me on whatever your favorite social platform is and you can get all the books there and it'll send you wherever you got to go but stay connected we'd love to hear from you awesome 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 guys this has been an amazing time i um i will tell you as you talk about you know allyship and i it was it was i would say it was more mentorship and than it was allyship but that made me even reach out to minda to have you be a part of professional dna I was just like, oh, she's so busy. And she's got all these amazing things that are going on. Really have her on the professional DNA podcast? I I don't know about that. And it was really having a mentor of mine who empowered and encouraged me to reach out to you. And I will never forget when I got your response via LinkedIn, I was just like, wow. And that experience is the same type of wow that I yearn for women and particularly women of color to have in the workplace. That someone shows up for them and empowers them and puts their name in places, pushes them to put themselves out there so that they can have that kind of like, wow, experience. And um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. What lasting words do you have um, for us today on Professional DNA? Well, again, thank you so much to your mentor for encouraging you. Thank you for asking. And, you know, the one thing I would say to everyone is we all have a voice. We just have to decide how we have to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, we can make a lot of noise, a lot of really good, positive, disruptive noise if we use our voice. Well, this has been another episode of the Professional DNA Podcast. Thank you so much, Minda Hearts, for joining us today. My achievers, you know how I feel about you. You have absolutely everything inside of you to be your best and unique self. And that's your professional DNA, your defined natural ability to succeed. We'll see you next time. All right.